Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? You got it, Darlene. Today's guest, Mark Stein, New York Times, NBA at ESPN for many years, and, well, Manchester City's greatest fan ever. <laughs> Next on The Mike Wise Show. Welcome to the Mike Wise Show, formerly the Wise Ass Show, until Twitter made us change the name because of advertising. I can't, for the life of me, want, uh, believe that Twitter has standards, but apparently they do. Mark Stein, thank you for being part of us today. How were those standards conveyed to you? What, what did they do? What did they? <laughs> I, they weren't actually conveyed to me. They were conveyed to like the people at Crossover Media and Pure Hoops Media that put out the show, and they were essentially. Um, I, I think it was as simple as if you're going to advertise on our platform and we're going to solicit advertising for you and, and, and get some sponsors for the show, uh, you can't call it the Wise Ass Show. We think Wise Ass is somehow a derogatory. And I'm like, do you know this guy? Do you have any idea who he is? And, and that's all he is? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Well, um, at least you're on their radar. I guess this is true. Know. This is true. It's like the Stephen A. Smith thing. If you get half of America to hate you and the other half to like you, you're you're a success. You're... I'm not sure I'm ready to put you in the same zip code with him yet. Let's see how you do here before we, uh, <laughs> before Mark... we come to the <laughs> Mark Stein is my guest. Um, uh, I, I he's more a friend than a colleague at this point. He's um, he, he since October 2017, he's been the lead NBA writer at the New York Times. One of the best things anybody's done at the Times is actually put some of his insider info behind a paywall, and it's they should have done it years ago with other content. He gives you some of the most freshest takes and original reporting on the NBA. He's been doing it for years at ESPN. Shoot, I think I met him years ago when he was at the LA Daily News, the Dallas Morning News, everywhere else. Um, Mark, I guess I would start out by saying, one, thank you for joining us. This is this is quite an honor. And to, because I've had like some small time media people on here, like Frank Isola and others. And two, um, I'm blown away as somebody who's actively covered the league for many years and even have, have covered it from a peripheral angle for many years. I'm blown away by how much the landscape has changed in just a week. But that's the way it is now. I mean, that's... Yeah. You know, it just it it plays out in dribbles. Just every little thing, every sneeze gets reported on now, and I think that's what makes it feel like the winds of change are are always blowing. It just 
we just have so many more tools to report this stuff when us than when us old people started, and it right. it, uh, it makes a difference. Yeah, nowadays a you know a, a tweak is considered news if you can. Well, just, come... just to give you, just I was just thinking about this. I was just thinking about this today. Shaquille O'Neal going to the Lakers. That was my third year. My let's see, my third year, my third summer on the beat. <laughs> and, and obviously, at, that's as big a free agent story as we've ever had in this league. Blockbuster. I, I got a whisper that the Lakers were in their office all night long the night before free agency started. And I lived relatively close to the forum. And I wanted to go and just pull a stakeout maneuver. But in 1996, how was I going to file something from the parking lot? Like, right. You couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. Yeah, if you now, maybe it well, you did have a cell phone, so you could have. But no, no, you're right. You're right. I, we were I, sort of like I. I personally did not have a at the LA Daily News. There were no cell phone issuance in 1996. I mean, we barely, yeah, we barely had a working laptop then. Now I could have maybe you know with couplers and tried to do the old you know trash 80 trick. But the point is, <laughs> in the modern day, where I write still 80 percent of what I write is on my BlackBerry in first draft. I would have just hung out in the parking lot and written on my phone and who knows what I would have seen. Who, who knows what I would have seen if I was staking out the Laker offices then, <laughs> but you, you know, you, you, we couldn't do that in 1996. Yeah, Mark Stein is the guest. Uh, I should say that he made us very proud. When I say us, everybody who's actually had to write their ass off for a living and who for better or worse, didn't end up in TV and some of us did, but the bottom line is he um, he was nominated and will receive the Kurt Gowdy Media Award from the Basketball Hall of Fame in September. It's an honor every hoop writer dreams of. It was cool. It was cool that Bruce Bernstein, uh, my producer now and his former producer at ESPN, got got to see it and be part of it. I, I just remember like you're up there and all these Kareem's up there and Rick Barry and all these guys are up there and I'm like Mark Stein. <laughs> I don't know. You you still must have been. You still must be pitching yourself a little. Yeah. No. My, I. I mean, there's still honestly no words for it, man. It is. It is the greatest feeling professionally that you can have. Uh, you know, I never expected it. I mean, it was so crazy. It was a crazy weekend, just because. You know, I don't know how much of this backstory you know, but you know, ESPN. In in all my, I spent 15 years at ESPN, and in all yep. that time even though uh, my voice is probably the thing I would like to change just about mo pretty much most ab about myself. I, you know, I was not blessed. I, I'm not exactly the descendant of, of Marv Albert here, but I love the medium of radio. I loved working for ESPN radio and just, you know, Dr. Jack and Jim Durham and QB mm. and, you know, just the, the, the stints with the radio. I loved that medium, loved working with them. Well, for this all-star game, they got in a pinch and they invited me back for a weekend, basically to, to make a weekend cameo in my old sideline role with ESPN. That's right. So, That's right. I'm, I'm literally at the airport getting ready to fly to Charlotte, you know, Thursday morning. And I get the, I get to the airport and I get the call about this award when I'm literally at the airport. Wow. So I was already, it was already going to be a great weekend because 
being the sideline reporter for ESPN radio at the all-star game of the finals is one of the greatest gigs in our profession. Cause you're courtside, you have rights holder access, you can go anywhere, you're in the middle of everything. So it was already going to be an amazing weekend. And then that phone call made it the, you know, the greatest weekend of my career. So it was, uh, and uh, it was great to take a picture with you and Bruce. I always say on my ESPN route, Mount Rushmore, Bruce Bernstein is he's he's up there. So you got a good yeah. you got a good producer with you. Yeah, he's just one of these. Behind, he's like one of the as you know, irreplaceable behind the scenes people that you you couldn't do your job without. And I, I say that sincerely, even though I give him grief all the time on this podcast. He knows how much I love him. All right, he's, so he's used to grief. He's used to grief. Um, it says on your uh, New York Times um, where they where they try and sell your your extra content. Mark Stein has covered Jordan. He's covered Kobe and LeBron versus the Warriors. Go behind the NBA curtain with the basketball's foremost expert. I believe all of it. I've gotten to do a lot of that. I, I I'm looking at I'm looking at everything that's happened over the last week. And when I think of that, I think of. Anthony Davis joining LeBron in LA. I think of Zion Williamson going to New Orleans and them having all these young players and picks. And I'm looking at Kawhi. Sounds like from Chris Haynes's report that there's a very good chance he could re-sign with the Raptors now. Um, I still feel like this pendulum of power shifted so much with the Warriors' injuries, Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant and and how Steph Curry's going to go at it alone for a while. I don't see them getting shoot past the second round of the playoffs next year. If I had to pick a top four now in the NBA, if you had to like give me odds, I, I haven't even been to Vegas, but or I've seen look gone on in the odds makers. I, if Kawhi resigned, I'd say Toronto. I'd say, shoot, I'd say Milwaukee again. I'd say uh, the Rockets, Denver, and maybe the Lakers. I mean, almost in that order. Yeah, look, nobody wants to wait, but I think we have to wait. I don't think we really yeah. have a choice. We need to see how free agency shakes out. Now, people have been pointing to this summer for ages, and this is going to potentially be the greatest summer ever, or the wildest summer ever, because KD and Clay are hurt, obviously impacts things. And that's it. You know, what happened to the Warriors was unprecedented. The run was unprecedented. We've never seen anything like it in the modern history of this league a team that could go to five finals, a team that nearly won four in a row, and then the way it ended with just two horrific, catastrophic – Windhurst just kind of started this phrase, and it's a good one. It's a basketball tragedy. It's not a real-life tragedy. What happened to Durant and Klay Thompson, those are are basketball tragedies. We We have never seen injuries that severe on the final stage. Obviously, people remember Kyrie went out in 2015, but, you know, it was not a, a long-term catastrophic knee injury that, that ruined him at the time. It, it got worse over time, and, and it messed him up with the Celtics. But these two injuries are just, just brutal. Just, yeah, just yeah. yeah, and I, I feel like even Magic and Byron Scott, their hamstrings giving the Pistons the per- path to their first title wasn't as big because the Lakers had already won a few – and they and they were getting they were old in the tooth a little bit and and these guys you know Durant's in his prime uh, Clay Thompson's entering his prime these you know they didn't they they didn't not only deserve these injuries but it just set that team back so much and uh, I can't even imagine I'm surprised LeBron is back in the game so quickly 
but I shouldn't be because he's LeBron James and he's probably very tired of people saying he doesn't care about basketball anymore. And he's actually going to make another run for a title before it's over. Well, his team also gave up more for a superstar than we've ever seen anyone give up. Yes. And there are a lot of smart people around the league. I hear it every day. It doesn't matter. You've got to do whatever you've got to do to get Anthony Davis. That's all that matters. The Lakers won the trade. I'm, you know, I personally don't see it that way. They have very limited avenues to put more pieces around LeBron and AD and Kuzma. And on the backside of it, they've given everything away for their future. So they better win. They better win a title in the next year or two. And, and just LeBron and AD and Kuzma is not enough. I mean, the West is a monster still. Mm. Even with the Warriors in the state they're in, you know, you mentioned Denver. Houston still has a lot. We just saw what Utah did. You know, Utah is always conservative. They just traded two first to get Conley. Oh, I mean, Portland. Portland. I mean, we could go on and on and on. No. Yeah. The, 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 West is, the West is still a nightmare. Yeah. And look, you know, let's say Golden State falls to seventh or eighth. You know, you want to you want to play them in the first round with, with maybe Clay coming back and who knows mm. if Katie stays. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, the Lakers yeah. will have a lot of questions to answer. Now they might go, they might get a third star, they might get two good role players. You know, I, I, I'm I'm not saying you know they still have a lot of questions to answer to me before I'm I'm, you know expecting a parade in LA and you know they have a new coach let's see let's see how you know how responsive LeBron is to Vogel Vogues well yeah yeah no I know and and LeBron had to approve that so so you wonder if (laughs) you always wonder how long that's gonna go um my guest is Mark Stein he's the New York Times NBA writer and he's he's shoot he's covered the NBA everywhere including ESPN for many years um, before I take him down memory lane. I w- I, do you think the Warriors feel a little bit of guilt because of how the KD situation went down? And, and that's almost not locked them into making sure they, they bid for his services and make a strong run at him, but, but at least, at least make a pitch because otherwise you just look cold hearted and you try to use this guy until he got hurt again. I don't think there's any question. And they insist and they have insisted over and over and over that everyone was on board, that everyone co-signed this. And I think as time goes on, more and more is going to be found out exactly about the decision-making that went in to clearing KD. But the reality is, you know, Bob Myers and KD have a very good GM player relationship. And, you know, I think – the kind of people that Myers and Kerr are, these are genuine guys. I've spent a lot of time around this team throughout this run. For the first three years of it, I was really embedded with them. That's almost all I did my last three years at ESPN was cover these guys. Uh, I think there is a genuine affection between the players on that team and, and and the coaching staff and the management. It's as, you know, it's, it's never as it's never a hallmark picture like it looks on the outside I and mean, it's never perfect. There are disputes, there is tension, there are always flashpoints. But you know, this was my twenty sixth season. I don't know 
that I've seen a group that when things are good, as much love is flowing between all those parties as I have with the Warriors. It's and certainly, so, yeah. I think I think they do feel guilty because of how I mean, you know, Kerr basically said it. So you know, knowing what they know now, they they would have never let him do it. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's certainly not what you and I covered, and you certainly up close to the Shaq Kobe. Uh, relationship and the meltdown of the Lakers at some point and the the crumbling of that dynasty because that was uh, well Shaq and Kobe sort of re- sound like they regret it now but yeah two headstrong young players that just you know saw different things and I don't I don't know if that uh, that's not happening on the Warriors the only the only person who's sort of the headstrong guy is not the number one guy he's Draymond Green and uh, I'm. I, I think that he's tolerable if you're Kevin Durant. <laughs> That's just I give funny. I give Curry so much credit. He true, like you know, he is yeah. constantly talked about for changing the game with his offense, with his shooting, with the the range, with the shot selection, and redefining the notion of what a good shot is. You know, I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for. He's the most team first superstar I've ever covered. He has sacrificed so much and you saw it when Durant went out the first time when you know just the way Steph played for the rest of that Houston series in the Portland series like he, he this guy could have been routinely throwing up 40 point games in the playoffs he gave all that up because he wants to win he wants Durant to stay now mm. and we haven't seen that in the NBA that much. I mean, you, know, you reference you reference the Shaq and Kobe years. That was a soap opera, soap opera every day. You know, Steph Curry wants to keep this thing together. Uh, that is such a great take. Throw out that Steph Curry is sort of the the Will Chamberlain of his era and changing the game and turning this this whole league into a uh, stop and pop from the parking lot league. It, 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 that is a great take, and I'm hoping that the downloads on this aren't very big because I'm going to steal that. That is tremendous. The the, the whole right. notion of 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 go Steph Curry you'll, being the all you'll write it you'll write it better than me, so go for it. Oh, stop! Uh, <laughs> Mark Stein's my guest. I've known him for a long time. He could probably talk our ear off on soccer um, uh, as much as he could basketball. I still remember um, every time I would see him. This is before all these urban hipsters would shell out $150 for their uh, Barcelona and their Real Madrid jerseys and their Manchester United jerseys. Mark had these before anybody. He actually liked soccer and thought it was the world sport before America even was hip to it. I have to give you credit. You were a trendsetter, sir. I do appreciate it because I do get a lot of, so my favorite team is, is Manchester City, which is now the richest team in the world. And you get accused a lot of, of being a bandwagon jumper. So I will take those. I will, I'm will. i glad to hear that citation. You do remember, I actually tweeted about it recently, that in, uh, in 99, when my team was down in the third division of English soccer, I actually wore this really hideous neon shirt to a Spurs off day availability in the Western Conference Finals, the year they won their first title, and it was just a big 20th anniversary for my team. So I dug that shirt out, and man, it it, uh, it has not gotten any it has not gotten any less garish with time. I can't believe. Yeah, I, no, I, I think I, I remember. I wish I had video. Of Pop, I wish I could have seen the look on Pop's face when I showed up to practice wearing that thing. <laughs> 
Oh man. Uh, before we go back to uh, your ESPN days, I want to get there. I want to touch on it. Um, the, the New York daily news this week uh, banned uh, was banned from the Knicks press conference and it goes down as, and I was shocked that Frank Isola is no longer working there. He was at war with the Knicks for the longest time. He's now at the Athletic. I don't know of an organization that's, excuse me, <clears throat> had more run-ins with the media and has no respect really for what we do. And I saw your tweet this week sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, going back at them and basically saying, no, this is their job. Can you explain why it's important? I mean, this this story is mystifying. To me. I, I, look, you live this. You were a Nick Beat. Obviously, I've been at the Times for the last year and a half, but I'm not actually based in New York. I've stayed in Dallas. I, I still have not <laughs> the daily interactions with the Knicks that, that you've been in Times with the Times. But this is this this situation is I cannot believe the league has not stepped in. The NBA has always been the most media friendly, the most open major league anywhere in the world. And and you know you mentioned soccer for for twenty plus years. I've had friends from England who cover soccer over there come here to the finals and just cannot believe the access and the openness that we have over here and for the league not to step in. And now when, when the Knicks exclude the daily news from a conference call, that's there's some loophole in the rules that they're using to do that. It's still, it's completely unacceptable for them to do that. But this was a press conference with players. It is a legal rule when there is player availability we all get the same access. You cannot exclude a media outlet from player access because you don't like what they do. And that's basically what the Knicks are trying to do is they don't like the daily news. They're trying to kick them out. I'm sorry. Teams don't get to make their own rules. You can't do you that. Know, you, you know, every, if you play in the NBA, you have to abide by the rules. And I, I, I cannot believe the league is not going to step in here and, and, and do something about it. This, this, this is on the league. It's, it's time for the league to act. Are you, do you have a role right now with the Professional Basketball Writers Association? I don't have an official role, but this is obviously something that, you know, there's been a handful of us that are upset about this and dismayed about it. And, uh, you know, look, to be quite honest, this, hap- this happened to Tim McMahon and I with the Mavericks in 2016. Yep, I remember. And, you know, it went on for a week before there was any resolution. And it was the same thing. There is no – there. the NBA does not ban. There is no banning in the NBA. There just isn't. There never has been. You only lose – you only can't go when you break the rules. If you – if there is reporter misconduct, if you, you know, whatever, you, you take a picture in the locker room, you ask for an autograph, you know, we, there's all these kind of basic rules of journalism you're not allowed to violate. If you do something like that, fine you lose your credentials. No, in no way, shape. The Daily News could write, sell the team on the back page every single day, and you still have to let them in. And it, it's now on the league to step in and say that, and I hope they do. Yeah, you know what? I'm on the bandwagon. I'm on the bandwagon because Adam Silver, if he wants to say uh, he's the most, if he wants to 
be a part of being called the most progressive commissioner in sports. And, and, in, and in fact, as you know, the league is about as inclusive as it comes. I once banned Tim Hardaway shoot for openly gay, uh, anti-gay remarks when John Amici came out with his book uh, saying that he was gay, in fact, and, and that, you know, he never told any of his teammates because he was afraid that it would essentially end his career. But I look at this now and I go, this is just a, a no brainer. And Jim Dolan, the owner, has never has hasn't done any favors for himself over the years. This is just another another black mark for that franchise. And the more I hear Kyrie might be going to Brooklyn instead of the Knicks, I am almost in glee because every Knicks fan in the world thought that they were getting Durant and Kyrie this offseason with all the scuttlebutt. And now I wonder who's going to end up in New York, <laughs> Nick. The thing is, they just drafted R.J. Barrett, which is a pretty good save when they were all hoping for Zion and they didn't get the number one pick. They still have tons of free agent money. By all accounts, they're still right there at the front of the line for Durant. Why are we talking about this? Yeah. Why are they giving us this fodder to be focusing on that, like communist Russia, they're not going to let the Daily News sit at a press conference? It's absolutely asinine on their part. Why would you want anyone talking about this? But, well, you know, I was. this is a total curious thing. When – when you started covering the Mavericks, didn't didn't Mark Cuban take over very shortly after that? He took over two and a half years after I started. Yeah, two and a half years. Because I, I distinctly remember being at the Board of Governors meeting when he got the team. And he had the most ugliest satin green old, old school Mavericks jacket. But he was the happiest man in the room. And I thought, God, fresh air. And... And when I think of guys that have relationships with different people in this league, I think you and Mark Cuban has sort of like you just bonded with him in a way. Not that he gave you every story, but you clearly got him the way a lot of us didn't early on. And um, and that's why I was even more shocked when when you were banned from the, the Mavericks. You, your credentials were taken away. I just thought you pull that card at least once. Well, I mean, he. You know, he did it. He, it was, you know, I think it was probably more about my, my good friend Tim McMahon than me, but he banned yeah. the both of us, and it lasted a week. And the same thing, you know, you know it, it, it was allowed to happen, and I was, I was in shock that it happened then. But this, this is five steps beyond that. That was, that was a week. That was nothing. You know, this is – the Daily News has been excluded from a couple conference calls, to my knowledge, but this was a – I mean, a team cannot hold a much more public event than a press conference. Like, if it, <laughs> and, you're, not and people, the, yeah, let's let's lay it out for people. They're not when they when they take credentials away. They're they're not taking them away from every media organization. They're saying you who we don't like how you covered us or you did you you on the back page of the New York tabloid you did something we didn't like. We're going to exclude just you, which is I mean, it, it's like selective banning and it's it's so small time it's a you know it, it's it, well what can we expect i mean shoot they, they they've gone beyond the pale many times especially with jim dolan in charge thanks to mark stein a hall of famer who'll be inducted into springfield this september for being my guest on the mike wise show well he's actually getting inducted for other stuff but who knows he joins other hall of famers like isaiah thomas who previously appeared on this show 
I'm here every Monday with the best guests in the basketball world. On Wednesdays, Pure Hoops Media also presents Catch and Shoot with Noah Kozloff and Adam Stanko. Their recent guests have included Avery Johnson, Byron Scott, and Sean Elliott. Each Thursday, it's Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and her cool guests like Nate Burleson of NFL Network and former Syracuse and NBA player John Wallace. Fridays, we've got the Pure Hoops podcast with three-time NBA champ B.J. Armstrong and Eric Newman. Check out all of the Pure Hoops media shows. Subscribe, download, listen, rate, review, and enjoy. Uh, many, many of you uh, listening to my podcast right now remember Mark Stein um, from his days with ESPN. I want to say he joined ESPN.com around then in full time in 2002, and he um, and you know he he was he was on the network when when I consider even though I worked there for three and a half years. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I thought Mark Stein was part of the golden days of NBA coverage at, at the worldwide leader. And I'm not saying they might not have that down the road. It just hasn't been that since he left. And he was a staple um, during the NBA coast to coast days. Buker was on there, Rick Buker, uh, uh, Tim Legler, Greg Anthony. I still look, Greg Anthony started a lot of fights in the NBA. I remember some of the things that he said to you on the show, and I kept wondering, like, did Mark Stein ever want to just punch Greg Anthony? No, you know, I tried to, you know, I tried to have fun with it. Um, but look, Greg's, a, you know, he's, he's, he was a combative dude. You know, he was at Vegas when I was at Fullerton, and I'm the biggest Cal State Fullerton fan on earth. And, I mean, those teams coming to my school was like a pro team coming – coming to your school. I mean, I'm sitting second row, oh. you know, in Vegas. <laughs> so, so, so we're, so we're me and you were right in the same, in the same place. I mean, I mean, I was at Fresno state and selling arena when, when, when Jerry Tarkanian brought his team in, it was, it was, oh my goodness. It was, it, it was as if you were, you know, in Vancouver and the Lakers just showed up, you know, it was, it was incredible. But, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was, I think that was also, you know, Bruce Bernstein liked us getting in brawls on that show. He kind of liked Stephen A. and Legler and Aunt Greg Anthony throwing haymakers at Buker and I and seeing if we could, seeing how we would respond. So that was just, that was, you know, that was the climate of the show. You just got to roll with the punches. I also, I also, I also remember you uh, doing Sports Center in San Antonio and, and you reminded me of Albert Brooks in Broadcast News taking over the set. You were just, you were sweating. I mean, we're talking sweating porously like you needed a towel. You do know that it's 110 outside in June in San Antonio, right? Yes, I do. I was sweating too. I just, luckily, I didn't have to go on TV. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the, the written word is my strength, I think, is the, is the moral of that story. Uh, you were good, man. You, you were you were great. Um, uh, do you have any Do you have any great stories like behind the scenes things that that people you know wouldn't necessarily know, but you and your cohorts just laughed your ass off about? I mean, you know, I'm trying to think. Enough. I mean, with me on TV, I don't. I don't. You know, maybe it's also because I'm getting old and my memory's just not as good. But yeah. You know, I spent so much more time. I just the more the more vivid memories are the last. You know, like I said, those last three years working with, uh, you know, basically being embedded with the Warriors. 
mm. for sports. You know, that that is so much fresher in the memory. And, and you know, like I said, I mean, it's just, it really, it really has been a unique group to cover just to watch, you know, to watch what they've become, just the way, the way they just exploded from nothing and became, because basically what happened for me was, this was, uh, so LeBron, you know, LeBron went to, went back to the Cavs in 2014. Okay. And that, and that really got ESPN interested in the NBA in a way that in my 15 years there, like that was, that was definitely like 2010 was obviously big, but 2014 somehow seemed even bigger. And it really made ESPN's interest in the NBA rose. Not only that, what really changed was that's when the insiders like Winhurst and I and Ramona, they really started valuing what we had to say and putting us on TV a lot more. It started with you know, 2014, Lee Jenkins' essay on LeBron picking the Cavs. It came out, you know, in July, whatever that date was, July 10th, 2014 or whatever, somewhere in that range. And we're literally on the air when it happens. And uh, from the, and then, then later that summer, I covered Team USA in Spain at the, at the FIBA World Cup, and Steph and Clay were on that team. So now the 2014-15 season starts. LeBron's back in Cleveland, and the Warriors rip off this 16-game winning streak out of nowhere. Nobody was expecting this from, from the Warriors. And it was early enough in the season that all of the so-called season TV reporters were covering the NFL. And ESPN really had nobody – they didn't want to take any of those seasoned reporters off the NFL. So they were like, Hey, we need to throw somebody on this Warriors thing. So they sent me out there to do it. And I hadn't done TV like that in a long, long time. And they saw that I had a rapport with Steph and Clay, having just spent a month with them in Spain. And that's how I became the warrior TV guy <laughs> for the next, for the next three years. You were I was in college when the 86 Celtics uh, were rolling to um, what one of the greatest seasons in NBA history, including a 40 and one home mark at the old Boston Garden. And I was at the New York Times uh, during J Jordan's second heyday, I guess, the, the three championships with the Bulls after he came back from baseball. And everybody says uh, to the life. And then I saw, obviously, I was intimately uh involved with Shaq and Kobe and all the all the shenanigans there and then obviously later on the Spurs and and the Warriors um more peripheral because I was a columnist at that point and doing a lot of things but I was always showing up at the finals in your mind I understand we we can't really compare eras because of the rules but the best team that you ever saw I mean in, in, playing within whatever you know, whatever rules and whatever league they had at the point, would you, I think it would come down to, in your, in your estimation, the, the Bulls, the Warriors and the Lakers of Kobe and Shaq, where, where do you, where do you, where do you rank them? For me, I would say Warriors and, you know, you can accuse me of recency bias. You can accuse me of homerism since I spent so much time around that team, but I do give them bonus points for the era that they've had to do it in the scrutiny that they've had to do it under and having LeBron James as a constant foil on the other side. The Bulls were utterly dominant and we can talk about the rules all day and 
Could the Bulls play in today's rules? Could the Warriors play in 90s rules? I mean, heaven knows what Jordan would have been capable of in a no-hand-checking NBA. He might have averaged 50 a game, and, and this might be a ridiculous take. But I think for me, what, what maybe I dock points from the Bulls for is I don't feel like they had that consistent, great team in their face in during those six championships utah was very good and that's the team chicago had to beat the last two times but there wasn't there wasn't a consistent threat on their level like lebron who was so good that basically the warriors had to add durant to make sure that they could deal with lebron and win the next two after losing in 2016 and so to me you know and and also you know again going five times in a row to the final, something we haven't seen since the 60s, is ridiculous. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. And, and it's hard for me to look past it. You know, I, I want to disagree with you, and I really want to go hard at it. But I can't. I, I find myself in the same place. And I also look at, you know, some of the role players that were on. I, when, when I, Scotty Pippen and, <clears throat> excuse me, Dennis Rodman ended up in the Hall of Fame. So I, I think Tony Kukoc may have. If he hasn't, he should at some point because of his, he had a great international career as well. But they didn't. I mean, I th- I look at some of the Warriors role players, and I you know shoot Dr- Draymond Green if he were playing for another franchise might be a Hall of Famer someday. Um, the, you know Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, former All Star. These guys. Durant just taking that the, the contract he did and allowing those guys to stick around is why they were able to win some of those titles. And I look at the, as a rounded team, as a team that you could you could actually. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's the, not only just the greatest collection of shooters, but some of the most selfless guys I've ever seen. And and top to bottom, I'm not saying Judd Bushler wasn't anything. I'm not saying Bill Cartwright, uh, you know, couldn't start for another championship team. And I'm certainly not saying that. The, the Lakers didn't have some great role players because they did from Rick Fox and Derek Fisher and all those guys. I just don't think they have what the Warriors have all around. And uh, I, I, God dang it. I wanted to argue with you on that, but I can't. I'm, I'm but you know what? It's funny. But I think, look, I think also, you know, we're old now. We forget. Like, Jordan sure. And we're just absolutely, I mean, as good a duo as there, there's ever been. And, you know, revolutionary is basically two guys the same size and it's hard it's just they didn't shoot the three ball it just wasn't even accepted so we can't even imagine it what it would have been like because it just wasn't done and then you know that laker team were ultimately disappointed that Shaq and kobe didn't stay together longer that they that they quote air quotes only won three but let's not forget they were dealing with san antonio which was you know a dynasty in itself and had to and you know if the if the Lakers weren't winning it, San Antonio was. So, I mean, it's it's an impossible yeah. answer, and I think most people would argue with us. I don't. Yeah. I if you took a broad poll, I think the Bulls would win that poll. Yeah, you've uh, maintained residence in Dallas even when you left um, for ESPN, and that's that's been your home for for a long time now. I think um, when I think of upsets in the finals. Uh, everybody will say Kawhi and Toronto, and I don't think it should be 
watered down because of the injuries, because they still, they had to get through a tough Eastern Conference, an Eastern Conference that no longer had LeBron. And, and I, um, and obviously I remember the Lakers getting beat by the Pistons in 2004, Shaq and Kobe were at each other's throats. And that was the end of that run. I look at Dirk, man. I look at the Dirk 2010 year, or was it 2011? I can't remember. Was it 2010 or 11? 11. Uh, 11. 2011. That to me, and, and I know you had developed a relationship with him over the years. That was a special championship to witness because one, you really liked some of the people involved, but two, it, that was the year to get LeBron. Like they were not quite there yet. He was still having a confidence a meltdown in the, in the, in the crucible of his career. And it was, and Dirk just like, I mean, I don't think people remember Dirk's finger was messed up in that series. I thought they were done after like game two or something. And, uh, and for them to come back and win that, I don't know, that must've been one of your most satisfying finals to cover. Well, he's, you know, he's someone obviously that I covered literally from his very first dribble in the NBA. And honestly, even before that, you know, he was drafted. The Mavs acquired Nash and Nowitzki on the same day in 98. Then there was a lockout and Dirk stayed in Germany. And I actually went to Germany to watch him play for his hometown club team before he even got to Dallas. So when you, cover someone that, when you cover someone that long, and look, you, you know this. I know you've done it in your career on various stories. When you go to someone's hometown and go all the way to the roots of where their career started, it just it changes your perspective on that player. It changes your relationship with the subject. So obviously there's no one probably in my life that I will cover from closer range than Nowitzki. But yeah, I mean, that, that team, like you said, you know, in my time covering the league, you know, I felt like the 90, the first Rockets championship was a team and mm. a lot of very good role players. I think that's what the Mavericks were in 2011. The Pistons, you know, they, they were, you know, maybe they didn't have a superstar per se, but man, they're, you know, their, their top five or six players were really, really good. And I think the same thing with the Raptors, you know, there's, there's Kawhi obviously on his own planet, but Lowry's an all-star. Gasol's a pretty recent all-star. They're, they're a much, they're a much better group than advertised. They're, they're way better than we thought even when the finals started. I, I, I agree. And the, I don't know. I was jealous because Dirk Nowitzki is from my mother's hometown, Würzburg, and I um, and I've been there many times. And I remember seeing your reports from over there. And I think Rick Bucher went over eventually as well. And I always thought, you know, if you're going to go to Germany and you're going to uh, meet a guy's family and everything else, and he just he never had any big time about him too. I just love. I, I think oh, Dirk no, is first, one of the most time. most solid people I've ever met. When I went there. He, I mean, just to show you just how sheltered a life he had lived to that point. So he is 19. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's, let's go eat. Let's go somewhere and eat. He didn't have a favorite restaurant. We, <laughs> drove, around, we drove around in his Volkswagen Golf for like 45 minutes. Wait, wait, he's 6'11", 7 feet. How does, he, how does he drive a Volkswagen Golf? That's all he had. That's wow. what he had. And... And uh, we drove around for a good 45 minutes until he finally remembered the restaurant that they took the Nelsons when they made their trip to go to, <laughs> to Wurzburg and convinced his parents to let him come straight to the NBA. So 
we yeah. ended up at that same, at that same restaurant. And then I said, okay, I'm here. I need to talk to your parents. And the parents didn't want to talk to me either. So uh, <laughs> luckily, luckily I talked them into it, but that was a, yeah. that was an, in, that was an interesting tip off to covering Dirk Nowitzki. All right. Uh, real, I'm going to let you go in a minute real quick. Uh, a quick lightning round after Dirk, uh, favorite athlete, guy that you might have developed a real affinity for um, that you covered? I mean, in this league, honestly, I could name 25 guys. That's the wow. reason this, just, this is the best This is the best sport to cover. I've always said it, you know, coming up through the ranks, I got a chance to do, you know, I think you probably felt when we, when we were coming up in, in our generation, baseball was the most coveted beat. Yep. And the NBA was not even close, but I'm so grateful. This is the beat that I landed. This is the major beat that I want. And, you know, <laughs> there's just bit, I mean, seriously, I mean, you know, Nash, Kid, even Barkley, I got to cover magic. And it's, I mean, I could go on and on yeah. and on. This, this league is the best combination of openness and realness from the athletes. And look, sometimes what they give us, you know, we don't like it. The public doesn't like it. A guy like Westbrook, but he's real. That's, you know, you see the real in the NBA, you, 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 you see the closest thing to the real is mm. the way I've always said it. Mm. Uh, no, I'm with you. Um, the biggest story that Mark Stein broke that people might not remember. Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, could have been could have been at the San Bernardino Sun. I don't care. Uh, I think I, you know, I think I had some semblance of Shaq to the Lakers. Yeah. And, and, and you know, again, it would have, it would have been a heck of a lot better if I was in the, if, if I could have been filing on my Blackberry from that parking lot, I would, I would have done better. <laughs> but, you could have called the office. Come on. No, man, it was, it was different. Oh, what? They're going to yeah, take vacation right. on deadline. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That would have been weird. That would have been weird. Whoever was the Bruce Bernstein at the time in the Daily News office would not have been pleased. Um, total inside baseball. Who was your favorite editor on the New York Times desk right now? And you know that they're not going to hear this, so don't feel like you're going to hold anybody back. I have nothing but love for everyone, but I, I can tell you that there is a there is a tireless, hardworking soul there named Ben Hoffman who Ooh. has to deal has to deal with all kinds of nightmarish copy at all hours and uh, never never gets enough never gets enough praise so uh, mm -mm. i'm i'm a team guy i try to love everybody but let me give a shout out to my guy ben hoffman that was nice two more the you you were named the 2019 winner of the kurt gowdy media award for print media by the naismith memorial basketball hall of fame beyond your family who do you invite to your ceremony there? I, for whatever reason, I got into David Aldridge's a few years ago, and it was because I was, I think, oh, you know what? That was the year that Shaq and Yao Ming and Allen Iverson got in, so I was up there anyway. But what would it be? It's a good question, and I was I was asked that this week, and I have not oh. formulated that. Uh, I need I need Ooh. to I need to formulate that list very soon, very quickly. But also, I'm so. Uh, so locked in on this speech, man. That's all I can think about. Don't blow this speech. Do not yeah, joke yeah. this speech. He'll be That's fine. I, the best thing about those speeches is the people who sort of have got five pages written 
and they just throw it away and they go, I'm just going to tell you what it was like. Those are the ones I'm always into. Like, this is from my heart here. This guy right here in the first row, bastard. I never went like if, if Peter Vesey showed up, if, if I if I were to ever win such a prestigious award, I would love it because I would just kill him from the from the podium. They would take me off. I would kill about five people and then I would tell people who I really like and who helped me out. Um, See, I'm, then, a, I'm a vest, I'm a vesty guy. He's probably going to kill me for going on your podcast. Well, you guys are still, you guys are still at each other's throats. I don't, I'm not mad at him. He's the one who just put a hit out on me. It's been like 20 years. I still have, uh, I've not seen his wrath in person. I'm still waiting for him to club me. If we ever run into the same elevator, I don't have, you know, me, I'm like, I, I'm congenial. I don't get along with anybody. I might get along with almost everybody. But uh, yeah, like like Kornheiser and uh, Kornheiser and Vessi have always had it out for me for some reason. I, you know, I don't know why. Um, Kornheiser. Yeah, yeah, that's a long story. Um, but you know what? Tony's not bad anymore. He, I think, I think he's, you know, I, I think he realized I was never interested in his position. I just wanted his salary. That's all, and I didn't want to work that hard. Um, and once he realized that, I think he was okay with me. Um, all right. I'm good. And, and you've been tremendous. And, and thank you for the time. You're, uh, I, I consider you the foremost voice out there. So this has been a treasure and, and a privilege. Thanks for, thanks for being with us, my friend. You guys are far too kind. I appreciate all the kind words and thoughts, man. All right. Talk to you soon. Mark Stein, give it up, everybody. Put in a bad sound effect there, Darlene. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thanks again to my friend Mark Stein of the New York Times for spending time with me this week. Mark will receive the Kurt Gowdy Media Award from the Basketball Hall of Fame in September, an honor every hoops writer dreams of. Thanks also to Bruce Bernstein, who is more than just a producer. He's also an expert on every killer song ever recorded. And of course, our editor, Ben Wolfen. He makes all of this sound great. And thanks to you for listening. It means a lot. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.